Today is March 6th, 2020. Joining me again today is Corbett Koslack. We thought we were done with overs and unders until ESPN put out a nice little article for us, Corbett, here. A lot to get to and a lot of really fun wagers. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure um, where they come up with these numbers, but they, it should be fun to discuss their own. All right, so the first one I think is, is a really great question. The Astros over under All-Stars, uh, 1.5. And I just want to give a shout-out first. This one was just... I guess it's by the ESPN.com staff, and they had um, Sam Miller, David Schoenfield, and then also uh, Alden Gonzalez answer these. So that's kind of where the genesis genesis of this. But the idea that 1.5 All-Stars for the Astros, look, I kind of like the over because, yes, they have a mandatory one, and I know the fans won't want to see many Astros, but I think it's going to get to a point where if one of them performs so well, it's going to be hard to deny them, and there's plenty of opportunities for these Astros players to perform well? Probably over, but there, there's two big scenarios here. A, fans aren't going to vote for Astros, and B, players certainly aren't going to vote for uh, the players and, like, the way the players and the coaches kind of form their the backup staff. The coaches want nothing to do with the Astros players. They shouldn't anyway. So while they're going to have probably four or five that are capable of being All-Stars because between Verlander and Correa and Altuve and George Springer and, you go, and, and you know, you name it, They've got five or six, maybe, all-star caliber. I didn't even name Alex Bregman. So they have plenty of capable guys that can go to the all-star game. Problem is, no one's going to want to put them in it. But, yeah, probably over just because they're going to be so good. It's going to be hard to keep them out. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you think about, like, you know, Bregman and Altuve will definitely get targeted. It's maybe the guys further down the line and the pitching, too. I, I kind of think the pitching might get off because the pitchers were not as involved in the sign-stealing as the hitters were, right? So, I mean, the pitchers are kind of going to get less of a break, and also, too, that they've got a lot of pitchers who might perform well. Yeah, it's, I mean, between Greinke and and Verlander, they're going to they're going to get it. I mean, they're, they're going to get in, but I think the 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 negative connotation towards the Astros, it, it's not it's not just the players because you see that spring training players who weren't even there are getting booed for what happened. Like it's the brand people hate. I don't know if it's, don't know if it's necessarily the players. Yeah, we'll see how long the uh, how long that lasts. All right, next one: um, John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge combined games played one hundred and sixty one and a half. Oh, this one's tough. Uh, Tyler Kading and I were actually talking about this the other day. You want them to hit the over, right? You, you want them to get there. You want them to be able to. As someone to play. who kind of just naturally roots against the Yankees, I don't know if that is the case. <laughs> But, well, uh, but, yeah, I mean, Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge playing is good for baseball, right? I mean, we want we want Aaron Judge to play. Yeah, that's obvious for the both of them. Um, the over, uh, I mean, it, sh- it should go over for Yankees fans' sake. It should go over. Here's the thing. The way I look at numbers like this, you get one guy to play 150 games, 140 games. The other guy barely needs to show up. Problem is, you can't guarantee either one of them is going to play the 100 games or the 140 games. And you can't guarantee that either one of them is not going to play 10 games like Giancarlo Santon did last week, played 18. So the over is the play. I always like to assume health. But have they just been not healthy over and over? And, over? and like, it, it is very tiring as, um, as a person who just loves baseball and wants to see people in the field and you hear the same names coming up over and over again. The play is the over. Uh, I mean, 60% sure. That, I have no strong lean on that one, I guess, but yeah. Garrett Cole, 299.5 strikeouts. He got 326 Ks last season. <clears throat> it's his first 300 strikeout season. Look, I don't know what the numbers are on putting um, 
back-to-back 300 strikeout seasons together. Um, since 2003, there's only been five 300 strikeout seasons. So I would go under on this one. I think we've met our first under. Would you agree? Yeah, originally I was thinking under when I first saw the number. I mean, 300 strikeouts, first of all, is a lot. He's probably pitching 220 innings and striking out 300 batters. He did it last year. Uh, and like you said, since 2000, but really the strikeout boom just happened five, six years ago. So those are all recent, or they should mostly be recent seasons. Uh, under has me to play because if he even gets hurt, if he even misses two starts, that number's going under. Um, and with the way, the way the Yankees are, the way they might rest him down the stretch, save him for the postseason, that could be uh, a nod to the under. But the one little caveat I would throw in there is the fact that he's playing at Yankee Stadium. And of all the places where the three true outcomes matters a lot, it's the place with the short porch and right. You feel like you can hit it out there with one arm to left field, too. So it's a lot of swing. It's a lot of swing as hard as you can try and knock it out of the ballpark, which leads to more strikeouts. But I would definitely go under just because, I mean, if he gets hurt for a, a week and a half, he goes on the DL one time that's going under. I like how you play devil's advocate there, right? You, you made the case for why it could happen. But in the end, I, I really feel like out of all of these, the under here, like this might be the easiest under. I mean. Pitchers regress. Like pitchers, right. and, and it comes out of nowhere a lot of the times. Like you got guys like Verlander when he was at Tigers was really, really, really good and then not good anymore at all. Right. Same with Tim Lincecum. It hasn't happened as much recently, but you see, Corey Kluber's kind of the same thing, fell off the cliff a little bit. Then you see it a lot where pitchers just out of nowhere have a down year. Sometimes they rebound, but he's you know he was uh, what league average, maybe the thirtieth best pitcher in baseball in Pittsburgh, and now he's the best pitcher on the planet. He's due for some regression too. And, and the guys who've done it are all established guys. I mean, especially lately, Verlander at thirty six, Scherzer at thirty four, Chris Sale did it at twenty eight, and Kershaw did it at twenty seven. So, you know, Cole might be in that range, but also, too, I think it's just the safest bet um, to, t- to take the under. You know, it's just very, very difficult to, to get there. All right, this one's very fun and interesting. Shohei Otani, innings pitched 49 in two-thirds innings. I believe his, yep, his career innings total is 51 and a half. Does hip-hip Shohei make it over 50 innings pitched? This is tough. So quick math in my head is I know when he was pitching a couple of years ago, he only pitched every Sunday. So there is, what, six months in the season. That's 24 Sundays. He's not going to pitch until at least mid-May. So get rid of six of those Sundays. We're at 18. He's probably going to get hurt at some point. So, I mean, take the under just because I, I until he's healthy or until he's healthy enough to pitch, I'm just not going to believe it's going to happen. And then, you know, like the second he has any sort of arm fatigue, he's coming out, he's probably going to miss a couple of starts. Under seems like the play, although over would be good for baseball. Under seems like the, the obvious move here. Okay, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, combined OPS over 2,000. Last year it was 2,093. Okay, here's the thing. This is a ridiculous number. You have to go under. They... Anthony Rendon had the best year of his career, and Mike Trout stayed healthy the whole season, and he still barely got over 2,000. The odds of both those things happening again are not are very, is very slim, if not none, and no chance they're going to get to 2,000. Unless Mike Trout is, goes for 1,400, which is very possible in any given season, they're not going to get to 2,000. This is a preposterous number unless they do exactly what they did last year, which would be re- insane for Anthony Rendon. Because at that point, Anthony Rendon would just be Mike Trout, at least putting up the numbers he put up last year over and over again. Yeah, and then over the last three seasons, the average uh, OPS for Rendon has been 953. Trout has been a little over 1,000 at 1,081. Yeah, I think the under here is the safe play. 
I mean, there's a lot of potential there, but uh, I just don't see it happening. Next one, Pete Alonso, 44 and a half home runs. I have no feel on this. Once you get, <laughs> once you, once you get to like 38, 39, what's the difference between hitting 38 and hitting 53 home runs in a season? Yeah, it's 15 home runs, but in my mind, you're a home run hitter the second you get to 30. So trying to get a feel on this, he hit 53 last year. Um, I feel like he hit 10 of those against the Nationals last year. Um, I just, I honestly, I, I, you think that the league would catch up to him. You see that a lot of the time. But is it going to catch up to him to where it holds him to nine less home runs than he had last year? This is another one of those where if a player gets hurt for any substantial amount of time, it's going to go under. Uh, so I'll go with under and, I mean, hope for – I mean, I wouldn't say hope for an injury, but, I mean, that's my that's my plan with going with under. Yeah, I mean, look, 53 home runs last year. I think it's 45. Yeah, I think if he hits 45, like you're saying, power's power. <laughs> Yeah, power. Like you said, though, power. Power is is power. Um, I want to. I'm going to skip some of these and go, and go down to. Um, let's see. All right, Ronald Acuna, home runs plus stolen bases at seventy nine and one half. So, can he go forty forty this season? He he almost went forty forty last season. It would be wonderful if he went forty four this season. There have been. National League was founded in 1876. There have been 140-some-odd baseball seasons with however many players, and four times in the history of baseball have there been a 40-40 guy. You cannot take the over. The math doesn't allow you to take the over. It would be great if you went 40-40, if you went, you know, hit 43 homers and stole 42 bags. Or, I mean, he doesn't even have to go 40-40 bases to go over. He can hit 45 home runs and steal 35 bases. But... The, the odds of this happening is so low, especially when you think about as players, and he's still not old. He's probably not even to his prime yet. But as, as franchises realize how good their superstar players is, they stop stealing bases because that's how you get hurt. So I would, I would say he's going to steal closer to 30 bases this year. He might hit 45 home runs, but get that 79 and a half mark, is, is, that's a lot. I like that. I like the idea that as guys get older, yeah, you ask them to stop stealing bases as much. I think I think it's a very, very smart and astute observation from you. It's almost like reverse, too, because if, like, let's say Ronald Acuna was hitting two, had Dansby Swanson's offensive numbers, he'd have had 55 stolen bases last year. It's right. just, they're less willing to send their transcendent talent to try and go swipe a base. Um, wanted to ask you real quickly before we get out of here. How'd you feel about the Cubs being mic'd up the other day? I mean, Bryant and Rizzo together mic'd up at the same time. I thought it was so much fun, uh, and I think they, they need to keep doing things like that. Well, with a sport like baseball, and there's people like like me that you know will watch it. They they could be you know shooting it on 1940s cameras, and we'd still be watching. But that is good for the young fan base to get you know Chris Bryant fouling the ball down the left field line, and then talking about how tired he is walking back to the batter's box. That's great television. For Anthony Rizzo to be trolling the Houston Astros while at the plate getting ready for a pitch to come, excellent television. I think that's just good all the way around. Obviously, in what, you know, the, the XFL is to get way off track here, still getting a million and a half viewers a week, and they do, they mic everyone up all the time, and people are loving it on social media. So maybe just follow whatever other platforms are doing and find your own groove. The average viewer of the World Series last year was like 90 years old. So you got, you got to do something as baseball, and that, that works. Anything? All right. So before we before we get out of here, um, any team to win a conference tournament you're really liking? Who are we about to see get hot here in March? 
Uh, the team that I think is going to win a tournament, I'm going to go way off base. It's the CSUN Matadors out in the Big West Conference. They just beat UC Irvine a couple nights ago as 11-point underdogs have been on CSUN all year long. They're like 15-17, and 17, but their lottery pick, Lamine Janae, just got back uh, about halfway through the season. They've got a 5'8 guard, Carol Gomez, who shoots 55% from three this season. They're a lot of fun to watch. They don't play any defense. They lost the game to UC Davis 106-93 to in regulation. They are so fun to watch, and for that reason, I'm going to take them to win the Big West Conference. Where can the people find you? Uh, at Corbett, K-O-R-B-E-T-T underscore Coastlack, K-O-S-E-L-A-K. Uh, mine and now Jimmy's show, uh, 9 to 10 Saturday. That's Central Time, so 10 to 11 for both of you listening on KCAU.FM. That's plus money. It's uh, pretty much all gambling-based. Uh, and, yeah, that's about it. All right. Thank you, Corbett Coastlack, for joining me here on Episode 11 of the Locked On Nationals podcast. Yeah, just wait as you came for the Big West Conference future, I'm sure. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on.